Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello, and welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, who, who am I? I? I'm Cornelius. I am the host of this particular podcast, Conversations with Cornelius. And you, of course, are yourself. I'm sure you know yourself well at this stage of the races. And you're tuning in, and you are listening to my voice just in case you did not know what was going on I'm just letting you know because I don't want anyone kind of to be confused around here okay it's uh it's not my aim anyway um before I start this week's podcast I am going to read a poem by a Irish poet called Seamus Heaney called Midterm Break I sat all morning in college sick bay Counting bells, knelling classes to a close. At two o'clock, our neighbours drove me home. In the porch, I met my father crying. He had always taken funerals in his stride. And Big Jim Evans saying it was a hard blow. The baby cooed and laughed and rocked the pram when I came in. And I was embarrassed by old men standing up to shake my hand and tell me they were sorry for my trouble. Whispers informed strangers I was the eldest, away at school, as my mother held my hand in hers and coughed out angry, tearless sighs. At ten o'clock, the ambulance arrived with the corpse stanched and bandaged by the nurses. Next morning, I went up into the room. Snowdrops and candles suited, and beside, I saw him for the first time in six weeks. Paler now. Wearing a poppy bruise, on his left temple. He lay in a four-foot box as in his cot. No gaudy scars, the bumper knocked him clear. A four-foot box, a foot for every year. It's a grim enough introduction, really, when you think about it. Um, that's Midterm Break by Seamus Heaney, a famous Irish poet for those of you who are listening in countries that don't know <laughs> anything about our literature. L- literary. We've got some literary greats in this country, past and present, and Seamus uh, Shamey Heaney is one of them. Um, and I did that poem... It was on. It was definitely in my junior start curriculum. It might, uh, 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 that's what I think it was anyway. 
25, 30 years ago and I just experienced the midterm break with my two small boys over the last week. They've, they've gone back to school now. It's Monday morning now, Monday afternoon, coming up to three o'clock. I did this podcast yesterday and when I was editing it, when I say I was editing it, when Noel was editing it, something had happened to the sound in the middle of it and it was like a large chunk taken out so I'm I'm redoing it now today Monday so it's a day late uh, but which which I, I like initially when I had to redo it I was like oh for fuck's sake I just did that yesterday now I have to fucking do it all over again what am I going to fucking talk about you know and um, and now, now as I'm here I'm just kind of I'm just basically just talking about what I was talking about yesterday, which was almost a rehearsal for today now, if you think about it, or if I think about it. Sure, you can think about it too if you want to, I don't mind. It's your own head. But, yeah, I just experienced the midterm break for the first time in, Jesus, what am I now, for 20, 25 years? You know, once you leave school, midterm break is irrelevant. There's no such thing as midterm break in in life, like where you just get this comp- compulsory period of time off in uh, as the seasons change in in school. And it is as the seasons change because the other midterm break is kind of the winter into spring and we're now kind of autumn into winter. So it's interesting. Um, it's a, a, a interesting that that's the timing of it. But uh, yeah, it was compul- it's compulsory as a child. You just have that time off. And uh, for the last 25 years, I've been, you know, midterm break meant nothing, you know. But every now and then I would think of that poem. And that last line, a four foot box, a foot for every year, is a haunting image. And uh, it is inevitable when you, when you have boys, you know, young boys like I do, that... Um, that you that that you, you you worry for them, and that poem is uh, is gripping to me because you know your children are your life. No matter what you say, your children are your life. You know, and if anything happens to them, Jesus Christ, that's a part of your life gone. And I have empathy for anyone who's ever gone through that. And. Um, yeah, it's a weird start to this podcast, but look, it's the start nonetheless. Nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, I want to say thank you to all the listeners. Keep on listening. Uh, keep on sharing. Last week was great. Uh, great response to the to last week's podcast. And um, numbers, I was in the charts again, so I want to say thank you to that. I have a, a Patreon exclusive episode coming out uh, this week as well. So, the patrons. I want to say thank you to all my patrons who are uh, who, who have signed up, particularly the the newer ones. I really appreciate it. I really really appreciate it. Um, well, not particularly the newer ones. I want to say thank you to all the older ones as well. I want to thank you. To, I want to thank all that pa- all that Patreon crew for getting on board and supporting my journey. So thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm in the John Hume War Room, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, and outside it is grisly. The wind is whipping around uh, Ballygriffin and the little forest outside my window the trees whatever leaves are left on the trees Jesus 
I'd say by the time this storm passes and we're about to, there's an orange weather weather warning in this part of the country uh, today. So whatever's left on the trees tomorrow are the, the last standing sh- soldiers because I'd say they will be stripped bare, such as the ferocity of the wind. Um, uh, but you have to, you have to, oh, you have to love the colours. The fucking colours are amazing. Like I'm looking out there now, and I won't do this justice, but like there are peach and lemon and lime and all sorts of greens and purples and greys and blacks, and uh, there's like a kind of a, I don't know what colour that is. It's kind of like an indigo, kind of a, a weird purple as well, and I've noticed that actually in the Irish landscape, particularly when I've been on, um, when I've been psyching, uh, psychedelic hiking, um, I've noticed that there's a lot of purple in our, in our, in, in our nature, in the nature, the native nature of Ireland, a lot of purple. And if you just look a little bit beyond, like the green takes the, takes the eye straight away but look at the roots and look at the branches a lot of purple and a lot of purple in the decay as well but anyway that's a that's a digression that i didn't anticipate um yeah so i've got a story for i've got a good story for today's uh podcast <coughs> well i think it's a good story it's um uh, but i'm going to get onto it in a minute but first of all um I, I need to do my trending topics with Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, starring Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan as Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan. Hashtag mass. Needless to say, guys, I had to go on and get three new hashtags. Couldn't use yesterday's hashtags today because then I would be informed. But anyway, mass. Why is mass? And it was mass was trending down at number 30. So it could be a lingerer from yesterday. Um, do you go to mass? Do I go to mass? I suppose let's reverse it on me. Now, do I go to mass? I definitely do not go to mass I was born a Catholic and then I became a lapsed Catholic and now I'm agnostic I don't really like what the Catholic Church stands for that would be my official stance there I totally respect people's relationship with God I have my own personal relationship with the universe um, I would definitely consider myself spiritual and I just don't like the, the, the structure and the past and the history of all organized religion. Um, they're very, very, very powerful people. Um, lots of money, lots of unholy th- acts uh, have been attributed and so many wars have been started in the name of like gods, you know, my God against your God. Like, come on silly silly if i could turn back time i'd go back and i'd say guys this is silly this is silly what are you having a war here for sure you're all saying that your god is all loving yeah is that what you're saying yeah that's you're all nodding back at me so i'm assuming that's what you all yeah so look put down the weapons give each other a hug all right and what we'll do is we'll just let everybody be themselves that's the dream isn't it but like that's just that's just a hard thing to do in general, you know? Like, I've often found myself being just, like, someone annoying me. And I'm just like, uh, and they're just being normal, <laughs> do you know? And someone's, never, someone ever just annoy you for just the way they, just, just the way they are. Like, they're just hanging around you, and you're like, oh my God, this fucker ever leave me alone? He's so annoying, you know? And, um, but they're doing nothing, they're doing nothing wrong, you know? So, 
I suppose that's uh, that's life, can it? Do you know what I mean? Does not everybody is going to be your fucking cup of tea, and at the end of the day, I'd say you're a bit of a fucking bollocks as well yourself. Yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> um, trending topics, mass. But anyway, what else is there to say about mass? I go, I go at Christmas. Like my sons are going to a school that is Catholic. The Catholic religion is indoctrinated in there but it's a local school it's convenient for us uh, to put him there uh, I am already talking to him about stuff like that just saying look listen that's what you're learning in school and you know what that could very well be the truth but also you need to realize that um, education comes in many forms and just because someone tells you something it doesn't mean it necessarily is so you should expand your mind and always think creatively. That is what I've actually been saying <laughs> to Harvey. Whether it's going in or whether it's not going in is beyond. Is is I'm not sure. But I only talk in terms of education about religion in that way. Uh, everything else, I think, is um, he's getting his foundation in in life now. Like so, you you need a little bit of mathematics. You need a little bit of English. You need a little bit of geography. A little bit of history, and uh, off you go. You know, then make up your own mind. Make up your own mind is what I'd say. Like uh, Hashtag Powerball 1.9 billion. I do know what this is about. When I saw it trending, I was like, oh, I'll definitely talk about that. So the, the Powerball is uh, a lottery syndicate in the United States of America. $2 for one ticket, right? And uh, the prize is 1.9 billion. Bill Clinton. Billion, not million. When I was growing up, if you had a million, you were considered to be, do you know that fella in DuckTales? Is that fucking, you know, when he just dives into his big pile of, of coins? Like, that is how, like, wealthy you were assumed to be if you had a million when I was growing up in the late 80s and the early 90s. If you win this, you're going to win 1.9 billion. That is astra fucking nomical. And the way they do it in the states, and I'm I'm speaking to the Massachusetts massive now. Who, I wonder if you're listening in here. If any of you from the math from the Boston massive over in the states, I wonder if you're buying any of these Powerball tickets. 1.9 billion. I think you get if you win it, you get a choice of like getting regular payments for 25 or 30 years. And or the option of taking like, I think it's nine hundred thousand or nine hundred and fifty. Sorry, nine hundred and fifty or nine hundred million straight away. So I'd be just taking that. I'd be like, give me the nine fifty there. Do you know what? That's actually enough, and you can hold on to the rest of it. Um, I'm sure. How would you spend it, like? You know. And I hate these fuckers who are like, oh, I'd hate to win. 95, 950 million. I mean, it would be disgusting. I'd be like, I'll tell you what you do, right? You, you get fucking 949 of it, okay? You put it into a credit union account, you leave it there, and you just pretend you've won a million. And then when that's gone, you go into the credit union and you take out another million and off you go. And that's how I would fucking deal with it. Do you know what I mean? And at least then if you fuck up with 1 million or 2 million, by the time you get to 10 million, you'd be like, do you know what? Maybe I'm kind of... Um, Maybe I don't need any more Ferraris, like. <laughs> How many houses can a fella have? Yeah, maybe I'll start uh, Maybe I'll start to calm down here now a small bit. And be a bit sensible with my cash. 
So that's what I'd like to do anyway. If I won it, be some amount of money. I would. What? Oh, like I'd off. You'd often have a date. I'd often buy a lottery ticket. Intentionally, when the Euro Millions are high, buy it, sign it, and put it into the zip in my wallet, which is like you'd hardly ever open it. And then you might open it like, and I'd be dreaming for weeks and weeks if I won without checking the numbers. Just the dream alone was worth the four euro or whatever. And then eventually you'd check it and you'd be like, oh, not a winner. And you'd be like, all right, okay, that's all right, that's okay. What's the prize next week? And off you go again. Um, and you, I get like, you know, maybe <laughs> might get two months out of a lottery ticket, like, and the daydreams are just fantastic. I'd be fantasizing about buying football clubs and building them up and taking them into the Champions League and buying castles and uh, doing up castles. And oh, I don't know, like, you know, what would you do like with all that money? What could you do? Like, I'm, I'm sure eventually you'd be just like, do you know what? I'm sick of castles. I'm sick of football. And you just want to play with your kids. You know, you just want to play with your kids. My kids now at the moment, playing with them is absolute joy. Absolute joyful altogether. Um, and it is something that I'm trying to do more of. But like, you know, in this busy world, getting down your hands and knees and playing with your kids. Um, I was going to say it was it's hard, but it's fucking actually not hard. It's not that hard to take 10 minutes of mindful fucking time to sit down and even just to spend it with someone you love I'm not maybe not even with kids it's actually soul lifting like I mean if you're listening to this now and you don't have small kids you know but you've got some good friends and you haven't talked to a good friend in ages give that fucking friend a text after this podcast or give them a call and connect with them I'll tell you something for nothing what happens is it just uplifts you it takes you higher higher takes you higher yeah 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 higher uh hashtag temperature rise oh sure like that's another thing that's going higher i'd say we're fucked lads i'd say this podcast has another few years before the ozone is completely gone and my zoom box here is melted uh, or it's at the bottom of an ocean and i am where we're where are we going to go we're going to have to go to the like down to Kerry, up onto the mountains i'm being facetious of course but like do you know, if my great-great-grandchildren are listening to this, I'm just going to say this to you. Look, I probably am not at fault, and I'm trying my best, but probably not trying hard enough. Like, I've got a petrol car, I've got a diesel car, that's bollocks. Um, there's no solar wind being used to, to, to energise this house. I'm sitting in the John Hume war room here now, and I've got a fire going with... Um, a bit of coal, sure that's bad. That's fucking got, that's what got us here in the first place. Coal and petrol. But then again, do you know me my carbon footprint is tiny, tiny, tiny compared to, you know, we'll say what Ryanair is. But then cumulatively it all builds up. It all builds up. Also, um cow farts. I have nothing to do with that. I have I'm a vegetarian. Okay, well, for like 39 years of my life, I probably had something to do with that. But for the last five or six years, I've I've cut that out. So, you know, if don't look at me with too much scorn, uh, great, great, great grandchildren, if you are listening to this in the future. And uh, sure, you probably you probably would be. Sure, this is a world-famous podcast. Like, uh, I mean, imagine if you were a patron. Imagine if you were in on the patrons now and you were there. Wow, I was in early now. I was in early. Uh, <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? 
What the fuck is wrong with Cornelius? Hmm. I do have a fire lighting here, though. And it is nice. And it is something that's nice about the, the winter is battening down the hatches and making soup. But I was looking for a medal there last week. And here's the story now, right? I was looking for a medal for a sketch that I was doing. And I've won a few medals down through the years playing for Ballyclaw, playing hurling and football. It's, um, I take great pride in the fact that when I was a minor, I won a minor county and I won a minor co uh, county in hurling and football for my club. The grade wasn't very high. We were C grade. I think it was 12 aside in both codes. But like, yeah, it was what we, it was what we had. And we, I played with all my schoolmates growing up and yeah, great memories. Like, and I, I still, even though I didn't really play beyond kind of under 21, I just, I still have great fond memories and I have all, you know, I have those medals somewhere, but I can never find it. But I remember when we moved house here, I remember where I moved some of my medals. But anyway, I went up looking for some for a medal for a sketch, right? And the medal I came across, I couldn't find anything else except this medal. And it's a Division Three Hurling League medal from 2005. And I'll never, ever forget <laughs> how I won this medal. And I legitimately played in this, in this match now as well, right? So 2005... Um, is I don't know what is that now? Is anyone good at fast maths? There's probably someone there going, "You goddamn you! You don't know what 2005 is minus 2022. 17 years ago, I needed a calculator to do that." Um, so yeah, 17 years ago. Wow, it doesn't even fucking feel like 17. It feels like fucking. F it feels like five minutes ago. But 17 years ago, anyway, I was uh, 27 or 28 years old, and. I was living in Cork and I was probably at the height of all my addictions with gambling and alcohol and hard narcotics, you know, and um, I was working in a, in a job, in a sales job, selling cars and I was good enough at selling cars now, but I absolutely hated it. I really, really hated it. And... Uh, I remember I had come home from working in England and I was trying to clean myself up and trying to get myself on the straight and narrow, but I was only fooling myself because I was doing exactly what I was doing in London. I was doing in Cork, loads of fucking coke, loads of gambling, loads of just messing around, bad behaviour, acting the bollocks, you know, uh, like, just like, <sighs> scoring with old dolls and like, you know, just terrible old fucking nonsense 28-year-old stuff, like, you know. And, uh, yeah, like you th and you thought. I remember at the time thinking, "Wow, this is this is the life." But looking back at it now, it was actually quite a sad existence. But look, you're masking pain with all that kind of stuff. You're masking pain. But anyway, what made matters worse is as I came home, a lot of my friends decided to go traveling, and they had been traveling uh, to the other, and they went traveling to the other side of the world. They were over in uh, Australia, New Zealand, and stuff like that. So it was kind of you know, at home, in the rain, selling cars, gambling away any feckin' few quid I had, being a terrible dad to my to my son Dylan, and uh, just chasing tail, you know, trying to get the shift, trying to get the ride, doing coke, and then just repeating that cycle, you know. And for a finish then, it was just like fucking 
actually gambling just took over for a finish poker took over for a finish it just became my mindset just play poker all the time Texas Hold'em six seven days a week from eight o'clock in the evening till fucking five six o'clock in the morning degenerate chasing chasing money you'd lose early in the night sometimes then you'd be like you'd be making loads yeah it was just when i think back in it it was like it was a it was adrenaline it was just pure adrenaline and you know what you got some rush of adrenaline if you lost money as much as you get if you won money and that was so that's kind of strange that's a strange thing you know but anyway i should have been in my prime i was 28 years old and the guys had the guy, and I should have been playing hurling and football if I had if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't gone off the rails at a young age. Um, I think I might have been decent enough because underage I was handy. I was I was a handy enough player, but anyway, I didn't. And one day out of the blue, I got a phone call from uh, the selector of the hurling team, right? And he was like, "Jesus Christ, no, Connie!" And I tell her, "I we could do with you." All the boys are gone to Australia, and Ballyclaw had played a league semi-final in, I think it was February or March, and they had won. And in the fine tradition of the GAA, the final wasn't being played until around October. It was late October, early November, under lights in Newtown Chandram. Uh, a final from a competition where the semi-final had been nearly a half, if not three quarters of a year ago. Right, that was the way it was. But anyway, as I said, a lot of my friends had been gone. They were out of the country, and uh, the, the, we were they were stuck for numbers. And this fellow was like, "Jesus Christ Almighty! I remember you was a miner. Now you were fucking very handy, and you always had it like. And you know what? You you look back now, boy. You look back, and you'll wish you played. And like, and I was trying to talk. My, I was like, no, look, I don't think I'll be able to do it. I don't think I'll be able to commit to training. And he was like, look, there's only one training session. We have a match next week. There's only one training session. Jesus Christ, if you can't commit to one training session, what kind of a bollocks are you at all? I thought you were a club man. And he got to me. He got to my heart. And I was like, I'll go to the fucking training. So, And I remember I went to the training and it was like, for some reason though, we were in the depths of winter. But the night of the training session, it was like, really mild conditions and the ground was dry and it was like a kind of a backs and forwards there was only about 12 at training it was very very handy and I put over a couple of points and I was like you know what still had a little bit of a touch because I played a lot when I was younger I would have played a lot growing I went to boarding school it was like a hurling mecca you had a hurl in your hand every day of of, of school and then off school as well you were playing it like you just literally had a hurl in your hand for five years um, and I remember that training session I was doing well and they were like well done Connie boy well done well done and I was do you know what maybe this could be my way out of the fucking ghetto this is how I straightened my life out this is before I was doing any comedy now or anything I had no aspirations to be a comedian I actually had wanted to be a, like either a singer or, or an actor earlier in my life comedy wasn't something that was in the in the vision board on the vision board <coughs> but uh, so the match anyway so th- they were saying look lads we're playing we're, and we were playing Newtown Chandram right who are a fucking stalwart team one of the you know most successful clubs in the whole of County of Cork if possibly in, in Ireland considering the size of the parish and um 
how successful they are at senior hurling. So we were playing, I think, their fourth team, <laughs> right, under lights back in Newtown, Chandram. And I was thinking to myself, this is kind of like Old Trafford-esque, like. I'm like, this is a guy, he was very good in his young, in his young age, and, ah, oh, look, Manchester United are going to take a fucking chance on him. He, he's been pulled out of the trenches at 28 and put up front against, like, Liverpool. Like, that's what it's like. That's what it was like, fucking... You know, pulled out of the trenches, you know. Put away your cocaine, son, and come in here and start caught a forward. <laughs> As if there was drug tests. If there was a drug test, I can tell you that now. Um, I possibly, I definitely wouldn't have passed it. But like, you know, uh, they can come to me now and I'll just, you know, I'll just say, oh, look, I was just saying that on the podcast for entertainment. And that will be my story and I'm sticking to it. So I'm just saying it for entertainment. But I definitely would not have passed any drug test um, but then again pretty much sure <laughs> most of our team <laughs> would have been in the same because like we were a bunch of renegades now that were what that were lined up to play this Newtown Chandram team right and uh, <coughs> yeah it was like I remember driving back from that training session I was like there was only 12 there and I was and they were like look we had a few there was a few excuses for hurling training and I was like there's a there's a final now next week 12 there tonight I did well enough you know maybe there was two or three people missing you know that's just 15 that means I'm going to start that means I'm going to start in a North Cork final albeit a Division 3 hurling league final you know where the match is being played with like pretty much I, 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 I don't think there was even half of the team that had won the semi-final available for the final that's how haphazard it was and it's nothing to do with us it was like it was just so ridiculous that the semi-final was being played almost six or seven months after the or the final was being played almost six or seven months after the uh, the semi-final but that's just the way it was and that's 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 the, that's the facts go back and google it all right i don't care um anyway i remember i i remember i left work early and uh, I, I got down I remember driving down and I was visualising myself, you know, under lights as well, like Friday night lights. I was visualising myself and I wasn't I wasn't carrying the weight I'm carrying now, you know. I still wasn't, I wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't have been, you know, athletic or, but I wouldn't have been chunky either. I, you know, still could have been light on my loafers. I could have fucking sprung into action. I fancied myself, I was visualising this as I was driving down the road, in corner forward, making a run to the left, then making a run to the right, then going right and left, and then going left and right, and then spinning around my, my man and catching the ball and hitting it off my left and hitting it off my right. Uh, visualising myself one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and just pinging it like a fucking table tennis ball. Pew! over his head, into the back of the net, and running off celebrating, arms aloft, a la fucking John Fitzgibbon 1986. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's what I was seeing as I was coming down the Cork Road and heading into the back roads down to the village of Newtown Chandram, which is in the fucking back arse of nowhere. And, um... Uh, but a fucking hurling mecca nonetheless I often think to myself it would be a great place now to raise your children if you were like uh, if you had nothing else going on in your life if you're just into hurling <laughs> because it's like it's just a complete religion it's like they're, like they're all fucking that's their mass that's their god back there and you gotta admire that you gotta admire it I admire it I think it's I think it's an admirable thing when a community can come together like that and, and create consistent excellent teams over time you know fair play to them take my hat off 
taking my hat off my head. I just took it off. But uh, I remember anyway. I roll. I ri- I rolled. I arrived. I arrived down at seven o'clock, and they, we had been told to be there for seven. And I and I. This is when I was starting to get my suspicions that this particular match was not going to live up to the high expectations that I had given it in my own mind. I was thinking this was kind of the return of Christ, like, you know, three days after the crucifixion. I was the prodigal son coming back to, to, you know, to lead my club to glory. You know, when the chips are down, when all the other lads who had won the semi-final were off sunning their arses, I was pulling us to an Arcork final single-handedly, you know. Probably, you know, they might have Pat Mulcahy's first cousin on me. Pat Mulcahy was sent there back for Cork, you know. His first cousin could have been a contender, but, like, for some reason wasn't, but was definitely playing out of his depth. And they had him man-marking me. And I was destroying him. That's what was going on in my head, anyway. But when I arrived down at seven, I was kind of getting a suspicion that I... that this little melodrama that I was playing out um, may may turn into a kind of more of a nightmarish on Elm Street or in Nightmare in Newtown Chandram vibes you know because the gates were locked and uh, I was the only one there and it started to piss out of the heavens Uh, out of the fucking heavens thunderous stormy weather very like what's outside my my front window today and um the, by the time the gates were open everybody else was here everybody else was there it was about 25 past coming on to half past and uh, a half an hour before throwing and now the gates are only been opened and they opened them up anyway and we all spilt in and the first thing that I noticed was that Jesus Christ we'd away more than 12 and I counted out the players when we were in the dressing room and it turned out we, had, it turned out we ended up having 19 players so the guy that had been on to me anyway you know, and telling me that I was great. And that, you know, this is my big chance. I'd seen him and everyone, I'd seen him in two or three young fellas' years as well, and I kind of overheard him going, you know, this is, you'll remember this till the day you die, and all this kind of stuff. He was giving them the same rhetoric, the same special talk. He was just giving this out as fucking medicine to any prick that would listen to it. Of course, I had taken it to heart. And I was like, he's right, you know. I have a fucking responsibility to my club. Do you know I, like I gave I gave away those good years to drink drugs and, and good times. <laughs> um, now here's my chance to bring it back. But he was giving it out to everyone, and I was like, "This is a fucking bit of a dose, like you know." Uh, anyway, the next thing they called out the team, right? And uh, I wasn't on the starting team. I couldn't fucking believe it. Like I was looking around, and there was lads there that were starting that weren't even at the training session the week before, you know. Now they were fucking at several other training sessions throughout the year for, for you know, the hurling championship and the football championship. And they were, you know... Yeah, but they weren't at that training session, the one that we, that I was at, you know? Where were they that night? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I, that's what I was saying. And, like, they all had... Prof- anyway, look, it was annoying. And then, do you know who was sitting beside me, right? This was sitting, I was togged off, right? And uh, there was... I'll never forget it, right? Uh, you might you might know him, right? He went on to play for Cork in in, um, in football and hurling, actually. Colm O'Neill, right? He was only 17 years old. You know, he just turned 17. I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck is this prick fucking togging up beside me for? I mean, he's just after turning 17. No, he was playing minor for Cork. And he did win a minor hurling All-Ireland the next, the following year. And football won as well. And he ended up 
you know, winning in All Ireland for the Cork senior footballers in 2010, and he has an All Star. So I suppose he, like I suppose, there was talent. The talent was emerging, like, but there was no need for him to be togged out in this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's the future. I was the present, but he still had the audacity to fucking. Uh, and I, I'm like, he, they're not going to bring him on. Like, what are they going to bring him on for? Do you know what I mean? He's going to get... What happens if Pat Mulcahy's fucking third cousin fucking gets a fucking go off this fella's ankles? Do you know what I mean? So I was like... I kind of... I kind of gave him one of those sympathetic looks. I was like, how's it going, by? You know? And we were doing the pucking, you know, when you'd be pucking left and right in the warm-up and stuff like that. And now he was flaking the ball at me as well, the prick. But, um... Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's way too enthusiastic here now. I know if the selectors are looking at him, they're going to be like, look at that. Who's this fella? But anyway, the game went. The game was thrown on anyway, and I'll never forget, lads. The conditions were actually, they were biblical, right? It was wild and windy, and it was under lights, and it was about four or five spectators there. This wasn't the theatre of dreams, now that I had envisaged during the week. This was like fucking. This was nightmare stuff. Like you know, I, I, the balls were frozen off me. You know, and it was out open. It was in their open field. They put us in. I think they have two or three fields back there, but we were in like this kind of open up old field, and it was. Christ almighty, I'll never forget it. Nipples and fucking testicles inside me and nipples coming out. Fucking, and then the wind just cutting through you and the match was god-awful altogether. This is, we're talking now Division 3 hurling league in the middle of, in, in the middle of November. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, does anyone have a memory of this match? The only reason I have a memory of this match is because of the injustice that happened to me. And, um, and I'll get to that in a second. First of all, I should have been starting anyway. Half time anyway, and there's nothing between the two teams, right? And uh, like I'm doing a, a lot of aggressive stretching and kind of hopping the ball left and right on my hurlies in front of the selectors, and it's like I'm invisible to them. It's like they're like they, they don't even see, and I see them hunching in the corner and looking back at the subs every now and then, and like every time they do that, I'll try and do something dynamic. But yeah, I'd, I, I, I. I I may as well be pissing against the wind. And the only reason I wouldn't piss against the wind is because it would blow right fucking back into me. Uh, too sweet in the conditions that were there. It was like fucking gale force. Second half goes on anyway. And they bring on two subs at half time. Sorry, I forgot that. They bring on two subs at half time. And myself and Colm are the only two left on the bench. And I'm like thinking to myself, this is embarrassing for me now. Like, you know, this young fella probably saw me now, you know, growing up. He might have been at these county finals where I was. <laughs> You know, in the football one, I was very impressive. And in the hurling one, I was le- less impressive. But still, at the same at the same time, he probably was living off the, mind, off the football memory, you know. And he, there he is. And he's, you know, standing beside... Now, towering over me. Like, towering over me. He's only 17, so he's kind of gaudy, you know. Like, but anyway, there's nothing in this game. There's about 15 minutes to go. And the selector who had pretty much told me that I was the next fucking, you know, that I was the club's Jimmy Barry Murphy... Um, and that my, you know, my, my glory days were ahead of me, not behind me. He turns around anyway, and he summoned fucking Colm O'Neill over, and I couldn't. I was like, what the fuck? All the blood drained out of my body, lads. This 17-year-old nobody, right? Um, like, he was, like, go back, like, literally go back fucking six or seven years. The kid is, the kid, do you know what I mean? He was a child. He was a child. 
They're bringing him on, and I'm a man. Do you know what I mean? I'm a fully formed man, 28. I And I can tell you this, he wasn't fucking training. He missed training the week before. He was at a Cork match. He was playing in that match. But, like, that's irrelevant. Irrelevant. Anyway, he came on and um, about 15 minutes to go. And I'm not joking you. Within about five minutes, he got the luckiest, luckiest tree tree from play. Tree goals and tree bites. All handed to him. Like, I was like, oh, this is Grant to go on fucking Pat Mulcahy's second cousin or third cousin. Do you know, with 15 minutes to go, do you know, when your man is wrecked, like, um, handy, a handy tree tree from play. And, uh, should that was it for the game as well. We're up twelve. We were up twelve or fourteen points at that stage of the races, and we had the wind, and you know, like uh, it was absolutely fucking. It was Baltic now, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget. The selector turns around and he has a look at me, and he talks to the manager, and I'm like, oh no, here's my chance now. They're going to bring me on, and you know what? When they do, I'm going to fucking show them what they missed. You know, I'm going to show them. So the selector turns around and I mean, he's the ear into the manager and the manager looks over at me and then he looks back at the selector and he just kind of shakes his head. No, 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 fuck's sake. But then the selector kind of goes back in again and he's like kind of giving him one of his impassionate pleas. And I'll tell you this, he's a good salesman because he got me there because there's no other cunt would have got me there, you know. And eventually anyway, he wears down the manager and the manager agrees to bring me on. And this is only fucking adding more fuel to the fire of my life. I'm going to show these pricks what they're missing, you know. <laughs> anyway uh, there's about five maybe six minutes to go and the selector's still talking to him still talking to him still talking to him and, 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 the, and the manager's just shaking his head like all the time no 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 and I'm like I don't think I'm going to get a run here you know the clock is ticking down there's about maybe two three minutes left and then the universe God himself fresh from mass decides to intervene and one of our corner forwards goes down with a hamstring and the two selectors turn and tell me to go on and in I go in corner forward the other fella limps off I think there might have been there's no more than two minutes left in this game right um and I'm inside and there's, I'm on this fella and he's tall, he's taller than me and he looks tough and uh, he looks fresh I think he was only brought on himself not that long ago and I'm like, I don't care, I'm going to get the better of this guy I'm going to get the better of this boy anyway, the ball is out around the middle of the field and myself and Colm O'Neill and our two fellas are marking us and we're kind of like a two man full forward two man full forward line and the next thing anyway Whatever happens, the ball breaks loose at midfield and one of our midfielders just jabs it up and catches it into his hand and he looks up and we have the wind and we have the rain and we have the cold all on our side and he and we're up about 12 or 14 points. The game is over really, but look, is it? Is it really over? It's never over till the fat lady sings, lads. So anyway, our midfielder, he pings in a high one way up into the sky and the, the, the slitter gets lost in the grey and the floodlights very difficult to see it and it goes beyond Cullum and his man and then my man is out in front of me and he puts his hurley up but he misjudges it by I, I, honestly lads you're talking about a millimetre and the slitter skids off the top of his hurley 
and then hits the ground in front of me and bounces maybe four, five yards, six yards in front of me, but then just takes off at pace because of the wetness of the grass. And, and time slows down. I have a quick look. Cullum and his man are, f- are kind of failing at the front. You know, they're kind of in a bit of a little tackle. Cullum kind of pushes him off him. My man then, who had gone out with his hurley, is after falling to his knees. And literally, I just have to pick this ball up before the goalkeeper. And bang, just as I had envisaged in my daydream, I'm going to put it into the back of the net. Table tennis style. And I run towards the slitter. And I can see, I can see it now. I'm in slow motion running towards the slitter, you know. Rain coming down. There's opera music playing inside in my own mind. No one else can hear it. The three or four fans that are at the match are probably at this stage not even fucking watching. They're so cold. But I'm watching. I know what's going on. And I go down and I go to jab the slitter up. But as I do, I get an all merciful front of a shoulder. And I land right down onto my belly. And I look up as quickly as I land. And it's that bollocks, Colm O'Neill, after jabbing the fucking slitter up himself. And in he goes, and boom, buries it. 4-3, I think he ended up with that day. Anyway. Apparently I was the future. Turns out it was the past. That was the last competitive game I ever played for, uh, like, a competitive first team game. I played junior I played junior football after that for years, and I had some great battles with that, and there'll be some more podcasts down the line with, with games that I played in that. Um, but that was the last game where it was the club's first team, and I was, I was shown up by an, upspar- by an upstart, really, to be honest about it. A young buck coming through just trying to show off what did he do after do you know what I mean that's all I'll ask you know did he did he what did he do after you know anyway listen thanks a million for listening guys I love you good night god bless and stay in by the wall